Welcome to this week's Manor House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen in. Hey, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing at Manor House, Rocky Butte, and Mill Plain campus today? Come on, how you doing? Are you glad you're in church today? Amen. Man, if I've never met you before, my name is Daryl, and uh, I, I spoke here at Rocky Butte last Sunday. How many were here last week uh, at the Rocky Butte campus? How many were at Mill Plain? You go ahead and raise your hand as well, and uh, that's awesome. If, if I've never met you, my name is Daryl. I'm one of the executive pastors here, and I spoke here last week. I am uh, I oversee the Mill Plain campus. I also oversee all of our global initiatives. And we've just kind of had a rotation of speakers this summer uh, with uh, vacations and, and people not feeling well. Even today at Mill Plain, Pastor Mark Daniels is not feeling well. His voice is somewhere down baritone today. And uh, so we need to pray for Pastor Mark. He was going to speak over there today, but I'm going to cover both campuses as well as online. And I think we ought to pray as we get ready to go to the Word today. How many are ready to just dive in and dig deep in our series called Not Today? Come on, how many are looking forward to a great Word today? Amen. Come on, let's pray together as we get ready to go to the Word. Father, we thank you today for your goodness, for your favor. Lord, we love you. We love serving you. And God, we believe today that you have something good in store for us. God, as we look to your word, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would unlock the truths that are in it, God. I pray that whether somebody's sitting at at home this morning, maybe they're on vacation or traveling, they're watching online, or maybe this has found its way into somebody's uh, video library and they're watching it a year from now, I pray, Lord, that you would minister and speak and empower, Lord, uh, the, the truth of your word to break shackles off of people's lives. Lord, I pray for the Mill Plain campus today, God, for every person who's sitting in that, that building this morning. I pray for here at Rocky Butte, God, I pray this morning, Lord, that your truth would prevail. Lord, that the Spirit of God would have liberty in this place to move and to touch lives and to to resource your people with influence and understanding and insight, God, that we might be the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, today at the same time, we've been in this series called Not Today, we serve notice on the enemy of our soul, and we say not today. We say not today. Lord, as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, I pray a spirit of faith would arise in Manor House today. Every person who's walked through these doors, let a spirit of faith arise. And Lord, today let our enemies be scattered. Let our enemies be scattered. Lord, they're coming against your people, but today we serve them notice that no weapon formed against the people of God is going to prosper. Come on, we partook of communion today to remember and to be grateful for a work that was done a price that was paid, a victory that was wrought so that we can walk in it in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray today that your people, Lord, would experience a new level of victory and confidence in you. As we approach your word, God, give us understanding in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand in this place today. We're approaching this with faith. Amen. Hey, we're in a series, it's, it's actually part five, and as I mentioned, we're calling it Not Today. I want everybody to say that with me, say Not Today. Not today. And uh, this is a series of, of conversations and, and talks that's really based out of the book of Deuteronomy, and we are a church for the journey, and we're looking at a people who were on a journey, 
And uh, what we're doing is we're trying to understand the partnership between God's promise and man's responsibility. That's really what we're trying to do. God promised the people of God that they would inherit Canaan land, that as they would move into their inheritance as they left Egypt and wandered in the wilderness and crossed the Jordan River, there were cities to take, there was land to inherit, and every tribe would receive an allotment, which tells me God really does care about your community, every local church, every campus, every, every connect group. He cares about every tribe and every group, but within that there are individuals, and God cares about your family. God cares about your personal calling and your destiny. And there's a land that he's prepared for you. There's an inheritance. And I believe today, I felt it all week long, that some of you are fighting for that inheritance and wondering if the fight is unique. And I want to tell you, this series, if it will do nothing else, I hope it will put us all on a level playing field and help us understand that we're all in a fight. And, and what this portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 7 tells us is that it's actually kind of normal. It, it's, it's something that the people of God have faced through all eternity and, and throughout all history that we've, we've actually, throughout our past, we've, we've been a people on a journey, and, and that journey involves a fight. Now, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's been our key verse. I'd like to read it, and, and I'd like to just allow it again to settle in to our spirits. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it, and he clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and today we're going to deal, by the way, with the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations, and if you haven't underlined this in your Bible, I, I would, they're more numerous and mightier than you. I want to know this morning whether anybody within the sound of my voice feels like you're outnumbered and overpowered in this thing called life. If you feel that way, you are in good company. They're more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and then you defeat them, so, so, so God's promise but your responsibility, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant and show them no mercy. Now, the Hittites, if you remember throughout our series so far, represent the need to overcome fear and anxiety. The Girgashites represent our need to overcome old cycles and patterns of defeat because it is our tendency, whether we want to admit it or not, to go back into cycles. We, we are a people who are used to patterns, and we tend to go back and revisit those old patterns. The Hivites represent our need to keep truth pure and undiluted. We can't have just an open mind to any idea that floats our way. We actually need to, to have a grid of thinking, and it needs to be well-founded in doctrine and principles in the Word. Last week, we dealt with the Canaanites. The Canaanites represent those who gained control through subtle and skillful persuasion. What I want to do today is I want to talk about the Perizzites, and, and the Perizzites are simply this. They're isolated ones who roam in unprotected spaces. Isolated ones who roam in unprotected spaces. There's two verses that I want to read that actually kind of reveal a little bit about how we're going to approach the parasites this morning. And uh, the ones I want to talk to you today are, are those who feel like they're roaming, those who feel like they're disconnected, those who feel like they're unprotected, those who feel like maybe they've been wandering, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a church home and you've wandered into this place today, I want to tell you the Lord has a home for you. 
got a place for you. Maybe you feel like you're disconnected relationally because of family conflict. I, I believe the Lord has a word for you today. Exodus chapter 23 says this, it says, For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, so that you might live there. And I will destroy them completely. You must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. And I want you to underline that word practices, or if you're taking notes, just write it down. I want to deal with practices today. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. And then I want to read Exodus 23, just a couple more verses a little later in the chapter. It says, do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me, because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare. I want to talk about practices and snares. Practices and snares. Now, in the context of the Perizzites being a people who were isolated, they roamed, they wandered, they lived in unprotected spaces, there's a reason why God said to them, I'm going to give you the land, and it is the land of the Perizzites, but you're going to need to utterly destroy them because their practices will lead you into snares. And if their practices lead you into snares, they will wipe you out. So you've got to be aware of their practices so you don't wind up in their snares. And if you'll be aware of their practices, you'll stay free of their snares, and then you can utterly destroy them. Now, these two words are, are really important if we're going to understand the battle that we're in. Now, the parasites, the practices, if they're isolated people and they wander in unprotected spaces, what are their practices? I, I think there's three of them that I want to mention to you. And if I talk about practices for just a minute, I think about the practices of my everyday life and, and probably your everyday life too. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I have a little bit of a routine when I get up in the morning. I like to, to drink a cup of cold water first thing when I get up in the morning. I like to drink a cup of cold water, and, and, and I like to make sure my, my bed is made in the morning. And that's a practice that I instituted because my mama made me. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? She was never in the military, but I think she would have been really good at it. That's kind of what I'd like to suggest. I learned how to put the right kind of corners where you, 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 you tuck the sheet one way and lift it, and then you put it over. I don't know. They do that in hotels, and we did it in the Corbin household. That's, that's the way we did it. And, and so I, I know how to make a bed, and I, I like to make it because if I don't accomplish anything else in the day, I like to come home and see my, my, my bed made. How many know what I'm talking about? Like if I can start the day by accomplishing something and end the day with things in order, it actually just kind of like settles my soul. Everything else can be complicated the rest of the day. I, I, I married a, a beautiful lady when I was in Bible college here at Portland Bible College from 92 to 96. I, I met a gal that grew up 30 minutes away from me in southwest Washington. I'd never met her until we came to college, and her name is Michael, and I think she's probably at the Mill Plain campus now, or she's in kids' ministry, I'm not sure. But um, nonetheless, as I, as I met her and, and we married, her grandparents lived right up the road, and oftentimes what I would do is I would go to her grandparents on Saturday night and spend the night and then get up and go to church with Michael and her family on Sunday morning. And, and my, my wife's name is Michael, by the way, and so uh, as I'd, I'd get up on Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday morning, her grandparents, the first Sunday morning, made waffles. 
And I was so excited to have waffles, and we had fresh peaches. And then I went back the next Saturday, and we had waffles again. And the third Saturday, and we had waffles again. And the fourth, and I, I happened to ask her about five or six weeks in. I'm like, so, hey, uh, waffles, is that the only thing your grandparents know how to make? They said, no, they just make them Sunday morning. Like, that's just kind of what they do. It's just the Sunday morning routine. How many routine people do I have here this morning? You just kind of like routine. Well, those are your practices. That, that is part of what, if somebody gets to know you, kind of identifies you. It's, it's routine. It's something that you've worked into your life. Uh, there, there's a, a variety of practices. Most of mine revolve around food because I, I like food. Like, I like to make my bed in the morning, but then there's practices around food. You know, there's waffles on Sunday morning. And, you know, to this day, because I've been around my wife's grandparents, on Sunday morning, I still like peach waffles. They're, they were influential in their practices. My, one of my favorite places to go in kind of the Northwest is, is Astoria, Astoria, Oregon. I, I think it's beautiful, right on the water. I love to look at the ships. Part of the reason why I love Astoria is because when I was a kid, every Sunday after church, my, my dad liked to go on a drive. He worked in the woods every Sunday, or not every Sunday, excuse me, every other day of the week. So Sunday we'd go to church, and then he'd like to get out for a drive and kind of get out of town a little bit. So we'd drive to Astoria, and we often had dinner at Pier 11 right out on the river. It doesn't exist anymore, but at the time it was a great restaurant. And uh, we'd get out on the river, and to this day, when I drive into Astoria, something just feels homey. Now I don't eat at Pier 11, we eat at the Bow Picker, because they've got the most amazing fish and chips. And what's interesting is practices, when you're influenced by them, tend to repeat over a long period of time. And practices that repeat and become influential are what we would call culture. The culture of a people is found in their consistent practices. When you come around practices, you feel it, you sense it, and if you taste it and you like it, you become familiar with it, and familiarity actually causes an adoption, and their practices become your practices. How many know what I'm talking about today? If you're not cautious and not aware of what practices are going around you, then you might just adopt things that would actually take you a direction you don't want to go. There's three actually core practices of the parasites that I found. I, I looked at 23 scriptures throughout the Old Testament and mention them, and then a number of historical references that are not found in Scripture, but they're just historical documents. And as you read and you kind of just understand, it would be hard to glean, like, what is it about them that would be so bad that God would write in Exodus 23, 24, you must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Notice there's something about their practices, he said, will, will hurt you just as bad as idolatry and falling down in a temple and worshiping outwardly. There's something about the way they do life. Now, I, I, I sought the scriptures and I tried to understand about their practices and I found that when God used the word here or through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, the word got recorded in Scripture, the word practices actually means things done and things made. Things done and things made. So it, it wasn't just in their worship experience, it was their everyday life. 
It was how they conducted their Sunday morning waffle experience and their Saturday work in the yard and whether they made their beds or not. And I found three just common things over and over and over again. And the first one is simply this. They just blended in. They blended in. They actually were intentional in that they blended in. Trevor Boyce actually wrote about the parasites a little bit, and he said the parasites cannot be linked to any specific people or lands known from any extra-biblical source. You can't actually go find them somewhere and lock them in because they just figured out in life how to not be seen. They figured out how to blend in. If a parasite couple went to a local city to trade in the marketplace, you wouldn't notice them as they walked down the street. They actually were intentional about the way they blended in. Can I tell you something today? That because they were an amalgamation of different people, there was something lost in their identity. I want to tell you that there is a fight for your identity There's a fight for the clarity of voice that God has given you, and God has never intended you to blend in. He's actually called you to stand out. He's called you to stand out. The second thing that I I see when I read about the Perizzites is that they lived isolated. They lived isolated. They never really lived in cities, but they lived in villages which they personally built and set up. Wherever they lived, they didn't want to get around other people. They would always not, they had to be around other people. They would purpose to blend in. The rest of the time, they would distance themselves and actually settle in quiet places and just be by themselves. They they felt a particular safety to keep a wall up. So if I'm going to be around people, I'll change who I am to blend in. And the rest of the time, I'm going to separate myself because I don't, I don't feel like I want to deal with being close in proximity to people. The third thing that I find about the parasites is that they were independent. They were independent. Well, they were isolated. The parasites would, would also form alliances with other nations and other people groups at different times. In fact, one of them you can actually see in the scripture. You can read it in Joshua chapter 9. I'm not going to take time to read it now, but they, they actually formed an alliance with some other kings to fight against Israel as an army of armies. And they came together and formed this alliance, and Israel won. And in Israel's winning, they took kings captive, but they didn't take the king captive of the Perizzite people. They only took the Canaanite king captive which tells us somewhere along the line while they would form a treaty and enter into battle, when push came to shove, they would run and live independent. They were never interdependent. They might fight, but the fighting was for personal gain. Can I tell you that if you just summarize these three things, these people were alone, they were were, uh, subversive, They would actually find their way into places where people are, but just blend in. And if they did make an alliance, it was always self-serving. This is a potential snare for anybody who goes down this road. Everybody say practices. Practices Practices that lead to a snare. I, I want us to do something this morning. I want us to put a little bit of a mirror up in front of our face 
And just ask ourselves three simple questions. Number one, do I seek to blend in rather than allow my God-given gifts and callings to stand out? Number two, do I live isolated or do I live in the context of true community? And number three, do I live independent or have I taken off the mask and become vulnerable and live interdependent? I need to ask myself these questions because if I practice blending in and I practice isolation and I practice independence, I will end up in a snare. I will end up in a snare and the snare will often wipe me out. In fact, you notice what God said is the parasite people need to be wiped out because their practices are so harmful that if you get into their manner of life, you will be wiped out. There's something about isolationism, blending in, and independence that I think the Lord is wanting to put his finger on and say, come on, man of house, this is a time to rise up. This is a time to run into community. It's time to run into purpose. It's time to run into calling. It's time to run into family. It's time to run into vulnerability. It's time to run towards groups and to become, come on, in a whole new way, the body of Christ that you've been called to be. Can I, can I speak to every Mana House member who's been around for a long time? I think there's something fresh that the Lord is doing in our church. And it's time to kind of shake off what maybe has been and say it's time to rise up and become the church in the 21st century Mana House in Portland and Clark County and Eugene and all of this surrounding region. Come on. It is time to be the body of Christ, the people of God. I'm never going to do it as one who blends in. God's not called Manor House to blend in. Come on, he's called us to be a voice in the Northwest. He's called us to be a voice into the city. Come on, in the location of every campus, God has called that campus to be a voice into that space. The parasite strategy, you got to hear me now, would be to actually cause us to think attending church is on par with being the church. Attending church and being the church are two different things. The strategy of the, the enemy as it relates to parasites would be to get us to be in a home with a spouse as opposed to building a marriage together with my spouse. To volunteer in ministry as opposed to being on a team and making a difference. Actually being in the marketplace and, and leading a business just to get by or to making money for the sake of the kingdom of God so we send missionaries around the world and reach lost people. Come on, there is a difference between getting through life and blending in and taking life by the horns and saying we're going to take dominion and we're going to make a difference. We're going to resist the tendency of the parasites to be silenced and to pull back. Instead, we're going to rise up and seize every day by force. We're going to make our beds when we get up in the morning. 
and we're going to have some waffles, and we're going we're to accomplish some things for the purpose of God. My money is not my own. Come on, the hours in the day are not my own. I, I'm not in this workplace even. I, I, just, I, I just see some Target employees. I see some Marketplace employees, some Walmart employees, and you're just going to work, and you're clocking in your hours. I want to tell you, you're not clocking in hours. You're actually stepping into destiny. Come on, you're stepping into purpose. These are moments of opportunity where you've been sent there by God, sent there by God. Man, to sense, to sense the calling of the Lord settling over Manna House in a whole fresh way. Uh, the, the snares of the parasites, so there's practices, but then there's snares, and the snares are also threefold. Listen to this in Exodus 23. We read it a little bit ago. It said, do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me. You'll be eating peach waffles every day. Because the worship of their gods will be a snare to you. Snare. The word snare is a hook. A hook. I took my sons out on Monday, and we did some catch and release sturgeon fishing one son caught an eight-foot sturgeon, the other one a nine-foot, and I was catching a ten, but it got away. <laughs> it's amazing what one little hook will do in a fish that big. You know, the, the enemy doesn't need a big hook to wipe you out. He just needs a little, a little one. Just a little one. The Scripture says little foxes spoil the vine. Well, I, I know I probably should talk about this with somebody, but if, if I do, they might, they might kind of look at me funny, so I withhold, and that little hook goes deeper and deeper. Little hooks, little snares, they make a big difference. They make a big difference. For, for every practice, there's a snare. So for the practice of blending in, the snare is a lack of identity. For the practice of blending in, the snare is a lack of identity. I think there's three, for, for three practices, there's three snares. And so for the practice of blending in, the snare is a lack of identity. When you spend your whole life trying to blend in, you'll most likely have no real clear identity. Loss of identity puts you in a vulnerable place. You don't know who you are. You don't know how to make decisions. Other sources actually kind of start to shape you. They speak into you and they say, well, you just do you. They ask you how you feel and then try to help you live according to how you feel so it's however you feel. Can I tell you that the desires of our own hearts are wicked and they will lead us astray? If we try to find our identity from what we feel inside, our temptations, our desires, our thought patterns, our processes, or by the way, can I even suggest from what other people have said to you or about you? There's some people within the sound of my voice this morning who've been told from the time they were a child that you were a failure and you would never amount to anything, and that has shaped you. It's been an external force that's tried to shape your identity, but I want to tell you deep in your soul, your identity is still intact. It's there, and if you'd go into that space 
where that little child exists and begin to speak the word of the Lord over it, your identity would grow and enlarge and the voices of your yesterday would be put to silence. I believe today. Come on, I believe today that there's a prophetic word for you. There's a word of destiny for you. There's a word of hope for you. There's a word of calling for you. And by the way, it's based in original intention, which is your identity. We have to ask the question, where is identity formed? It's formed by the one who made you. The one who made you and made me had purpose in mind. So this is what he said. When God created mankind, he said amongst himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They, they sat down together and they said, we're going to make man, let's make him in our image in order that he would be like us. That's what Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says. When he said, let's make him in our image, image has to do with function and likeness has to do with resemblance or appearance. So God said, I want to make mankind to look like us and act like us. God did not make you to, to distort yourself and do whatever you felt to do. He made you to appreciate who he made you to be in image and then to do what he called you to do. Oh, man, I am teaching. This is good. There's some people looking in the mirror in the morning not liking the thing that God created. And you're spending hours trying to change it so that you become happy with it. Can I tell you, you are not the one who created you. We need to begin to be like David who said, you, are, you made me fearfully and wonderfully. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And God, today I give you praise for who you've called me to be. And we need to stop being ashamed and embarrassed and, and, and comparing ourselves and classing ourselves. Well, there's some people that are going to get free in the house today. You're going to get free in the house today. Some of you have been told you're, you're ugly, you're, you'll never amount to anything. You've been comparing yourself to all kinds of images in other places. We need to go back to the one who created us in his image and in his likeness. You know what happens to a kid? who actually gets told by their parents that they shouldn't look like that or act like that. In fact, sometimes it's even, it's even cloaked in religious jargon. You're arguing in the car, and so you say something like this to your kids. Now suck it up, put it together. We don't need anybody to, to know our problems when we go into church. And we put a nice religious face on, and we walk in and smile big, and we're trying to look like what we think a Christian looks like. Can I tell you what a Christian looks like? A Christian looks like somebody who's humble. Come on, somebody who actually is seeking after the Spirit of God in their life, who humbles themselves before the cross, and they actually realize their own inability to perform or to accomplish anything of value. They realize our righteousness is as filthy rags. And if we come before God and we look good on the outside, but the cup is dirty on the inside, we're actually not accomplishing what God has called us to be. So let's come before God and with all of our mess and all of our struggle and stop trying to blend in 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 the name of the Lord instead come with our uniqueness and our oddities 
and our struggles and come into the house of God and among the people of God with a clear awareness of the one who made us. We're not called to blend in. My body is a reflection of God. The way I think and the way that I'm wired is a reflection of how God created me. Uh, we've got uh, my, my, my wife's little nephew staying with us for Summerfest, and I've never met a nine-year-old kid who talks more. And can I say talks more intelligently? Asking all kinds of questions. In fact, if you were around him, you'd want to say, stop talking, you talk too much. But can I tell you? that the very thing that's an irritation to me might be the very thing that God's going to use in his life to advance the cause of Christ around the nations of the world? I thought when I was a kid, I was articulate. This kid has me beat. Like, I'm just like, unbelievable. I think, I think what he needs to be is a journalist for the kingdom. We need some people to talk and talk sense. Can I hear an amen? Not try to instill fear in people and polarize people, but... People to stand up in the midst of a, of a whacked society and actually start to bring a gospel message through a grid of truth and right thinking. I, I think what we need is some young people who talk that we might get irritated by and we need to fan it into flame and we need to start putting in them the identity of the kingdom of heaven. Man, I'm running out of time. How many feel like the Lord is here and the Lord is talking to you today? Come on, how many say the Lord is talking to me? The Lord's going to heal some identities in this room this morning. Don't, don't, don't try to blend in. Don't, don't isolate. When, when we deal with a broken identity, we tend to then begin to practice isolationism. And the, for the practice of isolationism, the snare is a lack of community. A lack of community. So the first snare is a lack of identity, but the second one is a lack of community. And a lack of community was practiced by the parasites, and it ended up being their snare because they lived in rural areas, and so they, they didn't practice what it meant to truly share with other people. They only used other people. Make a, make a treaty and a battle, but never really fulfill their end of the bargain. Have you ever been in that place where somebody's done that to you? You entered into a friendship, into a partnership. See, community is about collaboration. Community is about mutual sharing and esteem. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know how to live in community because somebody robbed from you, somebody took from you. They stole from you or, or you were in a in a leadership setting where you respected and you were under and you submitted and you were part of community, but then there was some violation and some things that broke down the willingness to participate in community. Can I tell you, the Lord wants to heal that area in your life. He does not want you to live isolated because what happens in community is oftentimes the very thing that we need to break us out of a rut that we're in. We get encouragement. We get support. We get challenged. We get uh, celebration. We get some mutual esteem. And there's nothing like living in community and somebody saying, I see in you this gift. And I tell you, the reason why I think my nephew's in my house this week is so that I can tell him that God's going to use his tongue for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. 
See, that's what, that's what community does. It offers esteem and encouragement. Psalm 68, 6 says this. It says, God sets the lonely in families. For some of you, that's a rhema word this morning. The Lord is setting you in family. Well, I'm talking to you, Mill Plain Campus. If you're online this morning, I want to tell you, don't just do church online. Get to one of our facilities. If you're in another city, find another place where you can be in real community. See, for the, for the practice of isolation, the snare is lack of community. And the Israelites didn't wipe out the parasites. And because of that, they started to intermarry and pull them into their practices. And they ended up, some of them living in the snare of a lack of community. For the third practice of independence, the snare the snare is a lack of interdependence. Community is different than interdependence, and this is where we're going to land the plane this morning. You see, when, I, when I'm in community, there is a proximity and a participation. There's even a giving and receiving, but can I tell you, interdependence is actually about support and it's about reliance. I, I can live in community and actually not be interdependent. I can be in community and I can share a meal in a meal train. Let me tell you what interdependence looks like. Interdependence happens when I'm at a crisis and I don't know where else to turn and I've got somebody to turn to. And they feel something that's lacking in my life that would not have been there if they weren't there in that moment. Paul lived an interdependent life with his churches. He actually said, I... I pray that I can be with you so that I can fill in the gaps in your faith. I want to tell you there are gaps in our lives. Sometimes it's a gap that exists because of brokenness, pain, a wound. Sometimes it's decisions we've made. Sometimes it's just my inability to grow and get past a barrier or a limitation. I want to tell you what we need is interdependence. We need a body that not only fellowships in community relationship like small groups but we need to be in a group long enough or in a relationship long enough where we take off the mask and we become vulnerable enough where we say there's some things that are lacking in my life can I tell you church attendance is good how, how many love worship and preaching especially the preaching this morning you're just like yeah this is so good You're funny, you're kind, you're kind. I, there's a certain amount of community that happens here. You know each other's names, fist bump in the lobby. Maybe you're in a group and you do a little Bible study. Bible studies are good, but Bible studies are not interdependence. Interdependence happens when you take the mask off and you say, I'm struggling in my relationship with my spouse or I'm in over my head financially or I'm just dealing with depression or discouragement or you know what, my kid isn't doing well and I don't know what to do or I've got this issue on the job and I need, and, and not only in your time of need but in somebody else's time of need, you step in and fill the gap in their life. See, it's not interdependence if it only ever goes one way. 
And can I tell you, not every relationship we're in is an interdependent relationship. There's some people that live interdependent on Facebook. That's not interdependence. That's just like talking to everybody about everything. If I walk into a small group for the first time and tell everybody my whole life story, people get, feel a little awkward. Interdependence happens over time. And with a few people who I realize I begin to trust and the Lord sovereignly knits me together. So I have large scale community. I have small group community. And then I have a few friends I become interdependent with. Can I tell you without all of these things happening in my life, I'll live independent, I'll live isolated, and I'll live without interdependence, and I will not only be in a snare, it will wipe me out. Because little things, little hooks set in my life are meant to wipe me out. Can I tell you, this is a season where the Lord wants to heal your identity, He wants to heal your community, and He wants to heal your ability to be vulnerable in an independent relationship or interdependent relationship. If, I, if any of those three things speak to you on either campus, would you just stand to your feet? Come on, just stand to your feet wherever you are. The Lord wants to heal your community. Come on, the Lord wants to heal your identity. Come on, community, identity. And third, the ability to be interdependent and to become vulnerable and trusting of others. Come on, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today. Come on, whether you're at Mill Plain, come on, whether you're right here at Rocky Butte, just stand to your feet. Come on, there's people all over the room. Come on, I know Mill Plain. I know there's more that need to stand. And I think right now the Holy Spirit's going to begin to minister and he's going to speak to you. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're going to begin to sing. And as we do, I want everybody else just to stand. And if there's somebody around you, I want you just to go to them right now. Put your hands on them. We're going to sing this song, and then I'm going to pray. Come on, Mill Plain, let's begin to sing this song right now. Come on, how many would say this morning, there, there's something in this for you? Come on, there's something in this for you. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord today? Come on, Father, I thank you today for every person who, whose hands are raised across this room. I pray, Lord, that you'd minister to them. I pray that you'd strengthen them. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would fill them in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you're breaking down every wall, God. You're restoring identity right now, God, putting people into the family, and you're solidifying, Lord, what you're doing in their life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, one more question this morning before I let you go. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to do something really bold. I, I want you just, just to come right up to the front as I close here in a moment and meet Pastor Rick. He's going to be right up here at the front because I need to let you go. I, need to, I know you need to get your kids, but he'll meet you right here, and he'd love to pray with you today. He's got a gift he'll give you and help you in your journey. And this morning, if you need community or you need to find your way into an interdependent relationship, get on, your, get on the app this week. Find a group. Come on, and let's press past Sunday morning. Amen. Come on, thanks for being in church today. God bless you. Thanks so much. We'll see you next Sunday. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to another Mana House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time.